Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today's topic is, God's grace in the creation and the fall. Our speaker today is, Deacon Alec Benga Atilola. Hallelujah. Amen. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heavens. Amen. Lord, we thank you for a time to come into your presence this morning to share your word. We thank you because you have ordained this day. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here from the beginning of this service and for being here now. I yield myself as a vessel unto you. Let me decrease and let you increase. Let the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified today and let your people be blessed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen. amen. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. Welcome to House of Hope, a place where hope becomes manifestation. The Lord has ordered your steps here today. You are not here by accident. Amen. So today, and for those joining online, welcome as well. So today we begin our series, Amazing Grace, and our months of emphasis. We know every year we dedicate the month of February and March all over government to focus on a particular or specific message that's been directed to us by the Lord. And the subject, Amazing Grace, was the teaching from the 2022 convention by our national, uh, general overseer, Pastor um, Elijah Olodele Abino. So today we're going to introduce God's grace in the creation and the fall. Next week we'll go into amazing grace, Christ saving grace. Thereafter we'll discuss amazing grace and the Christian life, followed quickly by amazing grace and Christian stewardship. And then finally, grace in the marketplace. So I'd like you to say to your neighbor that I will hear what the Lord has to say to me today. Say to somebody else, I will hear what the Lord will say to me today. Amen. Hallelujah. So therefore, who's speaking to you today? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, mercy is often described as not getting what you deserve. Very simple terms. And grace is often described as getting what you did not deserve. And we'll be going more into that as we go into our, our message. But the Bible clearly records that God created the heavens and the earth. Contrary to any kind of theory that may be going out there or man-made ideas that have gained traction over time. The thing about it is that when there is an absence of the truth and revelation of God, we see confusion, we see disorder, we see lawlessness wrapped up as religion, pseudo-compassion, um, and heresies. Uh, the account of creation in the Bible, and we're going to, we're going to read it as we, as we go ahead, um, in the very few chapters of the Bible, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, um, has so many truths and details that it's very impossible, from my own perspective, that a finite mind could have offered it. Very, very impossible. There's no way that a finite human being or somebody could have intellectualized what is in those very first few scriptures. 
it could have only been by divine revelation. Only. The level of foreshadowing, the prophecies, uh, how those scriptures identify present-day social, philosophical issues, it could not have been a finite mind. It could only have been an infinite God inspiring the author to write it. The Word of God says, by faith we understand that God created the heavens and the earth. We just read in the book of Psalms. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith the elders received a good report. And we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Therefore, the things which are visible are from the things which are not visible. When we're here to share the word of God and to read uh, God's word, it's not about suspending disbelief. It's about opening our hearts to understand the truths that God is speaking to us. And that is what we're here to do this morning. Can I hear amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, a few scriptures this morning. We're going to be joining, you know, reading scriptures, and we're going to be going into our, our main text. So, um, the account of uh, creation is, you know, in the first three verses, uh, first three chapters of uh, Genesis. But let's read Genesis one thirty-one, and then we'll read an, another verse. So, let's do this together. Then God saw. Let's go one, two, three. Then God saw everything that He had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's also read Genesis 1, 26 and 27. One, two, three. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Amen. When you look at the, the text in, the, in Genesis 131, the word there that is translated from the Hebrew to the English is the word Toby. It has a primary meaning. It has a secondary meaning. Uh, the primary meaning means something that is beautiful, something that is bountiful, something that is cheerful, uh, something that is gracious. And the secondary meaning means something that is loving, that is pleasant, that is well-favored. So when God looked at everything that he had created, um, he saw that it was very good. And this is not just me coming and saying, you know, you guys did very good work. You guys were excellent. No, this is through divine scrutiny, meaning that in his own eyes as God, he saw that these things were good and were fit for what they were created for. Every single thing he said, amen. And for us to fully understand, you know, you know that the creation was an expression of God's grace and love, we have to, you know, we, ha we can see that in even him creating us as men or mankind, male and female, in his own image and in his own likeness. He didn't need to do that, but he extended a divine nature into those of us who are men uh, or mortals. We can see that in creation, everything that God said came about exactly as he had created it. He didn't have to readjust the sun and say, okay, sorry, you, got, you made a mistake. I'm going to go back and readjust it. No, but that tells me the veracity of God's word, that God needs to only say something once, and that is it. And creation needs to comply. 
He only needs to speak once. He doesn't need to go back and readjust. No, that is why he is God. Amen. Amen. So, even the psalmist says in, in, Psalm 8, in Psalm 8, verse 1, he says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, you who have set your glory above the heavens. So, you know, put it in context a little bit, right? Um, how, you know, God's love and grace extended towards us that he wasn't willing or that he was willing to give his own very nature to the things that he created. I think most of us who create things, we're always very, you know, proud or, you know, as far as, okay, this is my creation. I created this is, this is something that, that looks like me. And sometimes you may not want to make it, you know, exactly like you so that it can be some kind of difference. But in giving us his image and his likeness, he was exactly making us, or he was making us exactly like him. Nothing held back, nothing, you know, nothing. He was very confident in what he was doing. Uh, another significant truth to, to bear is that everything was very planned and executed. He didn't go back to the drawing board in quote and say, okay, you know what? I don't think I want to have a sun or a moon. Let me go back and reorder things. No, everything was very meticulous. Everything was planned. Everything was executed according, again, to divine scrutiny, right? You would see that the environment was perfect. There was food. There was no pollution. Um, you know, there was shelter. There were mineral resources. Uh, and the, the message here is to know that right from the beginning, God is, was not an accidental God. He's an intentional God, which means that everything concerning you is intentional. Your creation from where you were born to who you, you, know, who you ended up with, it was not an accident. The fact that you are here this morning is not an accident. It is by his own divine prerogative. Amen. So let's look a little bit at the privileges that we had as mankind when God created us in, in the beginning. So we're going to read Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. All right, let's read it together. Then the Lord took the man, come on, let's read it together. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we see here that God is a gracious God. He was organizing things um, according to his will and his purpose. But because he is God, he also has to set boundaries. When you see that when there's an absence of boundaries, when there's an absence of responsibilities, when there's an absence of order, God cannot be there. At least according to what we're seeing here in scripture. If this is how God operates, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, therefore we can say that if these things are absent in any particular situation, it cannot be God. No matter how it feels, no matter how emotional it sounds, no matter how compassionate it is, it is totally devoid of God, at least the God of this Bible. Um, so one of the principles is in life that for every privilege, there is a responsibility. Right? God, you know, put, made a very perfect world, but he also gave Adam a responsibility. Right? It's sometimes the case that we, you know, like to go through life and enjoy the privileges that um, a position or some kind of affluence can give us or things like that. But then we forget that everything that has been given 
it's been given one by God. And then secondly, there's always a responsibility that is tied to every single privilege that we have. We can quickly run through some of those privileges as, 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 are, as are documented in creation, right? There were several privileges that Adam and the woman had. I'll run through a few of them. They were, they were the very first in many things, right? They were the first people on earth. They were the first couple that was uh, ever lived. So if they, were, if they were dancing here this morning, they would have, they would have been the last <laughs> couple standing right here, correct? All right? Theirs was the very first marriage that was ever performed. Um, the marriage was, you know, there were people that were there. There were the animals, but there was God who was there himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, and they were directly blessed by God. That's, I mean, how, how, how much more would you want to have uh, such a ceremony at your wedding, right? Um, and in Genesis 1.28, where we read, it says... It is well. well, we'll, we'll knock that out in a second. Amen. 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 All right. Genesis 1.28, it says, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over every living thing that uh, moves on the earth. Um, so, again, a few things that they, that they benefited. They didn't struggle to have a home. Their home was already built for them. They just had to occupy it, right? Uh, they had direct fellowship with God. God covered them with the glory. They were free to eat of every single thing that was there except one particular tree in the garden. They didn't struggle to eat. Uh, they didn't have human parents. Some people were like, thank God. Um, they knew no sorrow. They didn't have any sickness and there was no lack. So what were their responsibilities, right? We talked about the fact that God had you know, responsibilities and we said that anywhere that there's a lack of responsibility or lack of order, it really can't be God because we see here that even though God created everything and was gracious, he set boundaries. So what were the things that Adam was told? He was told to what? To tend and to keep the garden where he lived. That was his duty, that was his responsibility, not because he needed to eat or he needed to get a paycheck. Yeah, he had everything, but God still commanded him to work. Because God himself worked and rested. And if he's in the image and the likeness of God, then he has to be like the one who created him. Amen. The second thing was obedience. Very important. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. This wasn't like a suggestion. I said, you know, I think, you know, when I was creating this tree, something is wrong with it. It has a defect. So Please don't eat from that tree. If you eat of it, it's your problem. But I'm telling you not to know. It was a direct command saying, do not eat it. And there were consequences to this, right? In the text that, if you look at the Hebrew text where it talks about um, uh, dying, you shall die. It's emphatic. It uses the word die two times after each other to emphasize that there was a death. I mean, some theologians talk about whether it meant, you know, as an emphasis or dying, you shall die. But what we do know is that there are two kinds of death that happened. One was a spiritual death, which was immediately, and one was a progressive death, which is the death you have in this mortal body, right? Separation from the body is a physical death. Separation from the presence of God is a spiritual death. So it's important that as we understand that God is gracious to us and we've been given privileges, we should also take the time to follow and obey God in those instances. Um, what are some present-day examples of this, right? You know, if a young person, for example, God has given you parents and your home, then there are boundaries about, you know, time you should come home, the things you should not do, people you should not hang out with. But you're like, you know what? I'm good. I, I know what I'm doing. 
But God says, in doing those things, dying, you shall die. It wasn't a curse. It was love. It was grace telling him, don't do these things. What are some other examples? God what speaks to us in so many ways. Um, don't do this or hang out with those people. But we want to do as we please. But God is saying, step out of these boundaries. Dying, you shall die. Not because he doesn't love us, but because that's how he works. Right? There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end is the way of death, is what Proverbs says. So as we're going through this you know, passage, you should understand that Adam and the woman started in grace. Right from the beginning, there was grace towards them. Um, the scripture doesn't tell us how long from creation to the fall. But we do know that we're working in grace, we're fellowshipping with the Lord. Uh, he was visiting them you know, on a regular basis. So maybe we're wondering, you know, why... You know, how, how do these things come about? Like, you know, there was a God and, you know, why should all of this happen? Well, because God in his graciousness gave us free will or free choice. So man is a free moral agent. And we see that in the garden when he placed, uh, gave them responsibilities, but he also placed two choices in front of them. It would have been a different thing if he just said, you know, there was only one tree of, you know, the knowledge of good and evil, and there was no tree of eternal life. No, but there were two trees, which means there were two options. There was always a choice in life, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance that we're in. So what the grace of free choice, right? So, um, and some people may talk about, okay, what are the mechanics of the tree? What was, what was particular about this tree that made it, you know, a tree of knowledge of good and evil that would, you know, was it decomposition? That's not, the, that's not the important thing. The important thing is God said it would kill you, period. And that is what energizes it. If God, we read in the scripture that everything that God said became exactly what he said it is. So it wasn't so much about whether that tree was in itself. It was about the person that spoke and the authority behind that person that was speaking, and that is God. And we see that anything that God says to a particular thing, that thing becomes that thing. And that was what was happening there. So we see that the tree of life symbolizes God's salvation. So we can see from the beginning, God was always about salvation. You know, if he wasn't about salvation, why would he have a tree of life in the garden when he created it? So God was always about salvation. He was always about saving man. He was always about saving you. He was always about saving me. Amen. And you may say, okay, right, today we don't have the knowledge of the tree of you know, good or of evil. I, I disagree. It's on TV. It's on books. It's on the internet. It's on places. It's in religion. It's in secular humanism. You can visit the tree of knowledge of good and evil, pick up your phone and browse it. You will find it. So it's moved away from just being a regular tree to being all around us because this world is a falling world. Amen. So it's important that if God tells you and says something is a particular thing, you should believe him. Whether it feels like it doesn't, whether it appears nice, whether it looks good, whether it feels compassionate, if God has said this is what it is, you need to believe him. Because if you don't and you go through with it, dying you shall die. That's exactly what happened. We read, we, read, we read the fall as far as what it looked like, how it felt like to, you know, our progenitor and made that person take it. But the word of God had already been spoken and it was never going to change, regardless of how that person feels. So they had to choose between what? God's way of life, which was symbolized by the tree of life, resulting in eternal life, 
they had to choose their own way of life, which is symbolized by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's, let's go into the fall and let's see how God was gracious. Again, this is not just about talking about creation and talking about the fall. It's to see God's grace right from the beginning, all through creation, even up to now and even into the future. Um, so let's read Genesis 3 verses 1 through 7, and then we'll read Genesis 3 verses 14 through 19. Can we do that? All right. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. You can join me. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and ate, and he, with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And verse 14 through 19, real quickly. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to the Adam he said, because you have heeded to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree from which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. All right. So even though God commanded them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they chose their way, and by that is how you know, we, know, we know the fall came. Uh, but it's also interesting to note and to point out that these were two righteous people, and you would see in the account that even though you know, the woman ate the fruit first, nothing happened until Adam ate the fruit. And you may say, why is that the case? Well, that's because Adam is the representative of mankind. He was meant to, in that guiding, he was representing mankind, but he was also representing a shadow and a type of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, which we'll read later on. Um, but that's the God's, in God's own infinite wisdom, he decided to appoint someone that will represent mankind so that in one person, if sin comes into the world, he can also, through one person, bring salvation. But that's the gracious God that he is, but in, in judgment, let's read some of the things that God said to, you know, these three people who were involved in this, you know, drama or event, right? There was a serpent that was involved, uh, there was the woman, uh, there was Adam, but everybody had a consequence, 
right? So we can see that um, the first person or the first being that was judged was the serpent. And he was cursed more than all cattle. Uh, he was told to be moving on, on his belly and he's going to eat the dust. But the big thing here um, is what God said concerning the seed of the woman and the serpent. He said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first and the mother of all prophecies. It's actually called the Proto-Evangelium. It means that this was the very first gospel that was, that was preached on this earth. And it wasn't preached by a human being. It was preached by God. True scripture, we understand that the seed of the woman is not just a, a, a euphemism or just a thought or anything like that. The seed of the woman is who? Is Jesus Christ. So we see God here himself. Again, it was judgment. But he was saying that in this judgment, I, God, I'm going to partner with the woman to bring forth the savior of the world. He didn't have to do that, but that is the graciousness of the God that we serve, that even in judgment, I mean, I know if God is all seeing, as God is all knowing, God, should, God would have known that these things would have happened. Would we, would we agree? Would you, would you agree with that? He knew, but he still went ahead and he did it. And that's the kind of God that we serve, that he's all known, he's all powerful. He will always do whatever he wants to do and nobody can stop him. That is the power that the God that we serve has. So, but it's interesting to understand or to know that this blessing or this partnership that God established with the woman is in modern days time has become something that has been relegated to something that is very trivial or something that is backward. But without the partnership of God with the woman, you and I will not be here. There would be no salvation. There will be no savior because God had already judged man and said the seed of the man is the one that carries the sin. So by moving away from Adam and to the woman, he can have somebody who is, who is righteous. But that is just the graciousness of the God that we serve. Um, and he, you know, he said some things to the woman and he said some things to the man. Um, but we see here that this is how sin came into the world. And the world today is imperfect. The world today is a sinful world. And the Bible clearly tells us how it came about and what caused it. It's very, very clear living in an imperfect world. Um, so, and you will see that, you know, after it came out of the garden, the world became hostile because the plan of the devil wasn't just to come in and, you know, okay, this is a nice marriage, I'm going to destroy it. No, the word of God says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His plan was to end mankind as a whole. But the gracious God who is omnipotent, who is omniscient, knew these things and made a plan of salvation right from the beginning. Amen. But it's important to understand that even though there's grace, God, as, we've, as you've seen, would never force us to obey him or to love him. Adam and the woman had a choice. They were not, for, even though they were made in the image and the likeness of God, they had a choice. God didn't force them to obey him. They had their own choice as they were free moral agents. Amen. So we've seen creation. We've seen God's grace in creation. We've seen God's grace in the fall. We've seen God's grace even in judgment. Uh, but then there were other things that we can see that are a reflection of God's grace in the fall and in creation. So we're going to read Genesis 3 verses 20 through, excuse me, through 24. 
Genesis 3, 20 to 24. And now, again, as is kind of my thing, I'll let Costa Reduce together. Are we there? Are we there? Are we there? All right. Let's go. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and he clothed them. Then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and the flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way of to the tree of life. So we see here that having everything already happened and God was like, okay, you know what? This is already a bad situation. Let's make sure it doesn't get worse. Um, in quote, damage control, right? Um, but he said, or God said that, let us not let Adam eat from the tree of life. So therefore he would live forever and he can't die. And if there is no death, there's no resurrection. So he would have been condemned permanently to a life of sin and death. But that was not God's plan. God's plan was that for there to be life and therefore there to be eternal life and there to be eternal life with him. So he drove him out of the garden, not because he was wicked, uh, but also remember that Eden was not, how do I put it? Eden was God's house and Adam put him there. So it wasn't like, you know, he was kicking a man out of his own house. <laughs> God was kicking Adam out of God's house. Uh, but the important thing here is that Again, God is intentional. He didn't want Adam to just stay there and be like, okay, you know what? You're in this dead state. You're going to eat from the tree of, of life and you're not going to, then that's, that's it. That would have been, everything would have been over. So in God's grace, he said, you know what? Let's, let's push, um, you know, Adam out of the, um, out of the garden of Eden so that he, you know, he, you know, lives forever and in that state. So after the judgment, we see that God also did something with Adam in that he clothed him in tunics, yeah, or skin. And um, God, again, showing God's grace that even since the fall, God's grace has still been evident to us because in Matthew 5, 54b, it says, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I don't know about you, but I was born a sinner. And before I gave my life to Christ, I was enjoying air, I was enjoying food, I was enjoying sunlight, even in my fallen state. To me, that's God's love towards me and that's God's love towards the whole world. The whole world is in a potential state of salvation because Jesus Christ died for every single person. The determination of who we become is whether or not we choose to accept that grace that Christ has already given to us, right? So, but this grace that God has given to us should not be misconstrued as a license for sin. Um, where there is grace, um, but when there is sin, there is consequence. Every sin has consequence. Just because there is grace doesn't mean there is no consequence to sin. Sin will always have consequence because that is the world that we live in. So God is a just God. And, you know, for those who, who are part of the series we had, we talked a, little, uh, a lot about, you know, mercy and grace in a Bible study. I think it was, I think it was definitely a very great teaching. So, it doesn't excuse us from consequence. Grace doesn't excuse us from consequence. It can make those consequences, you know, bearable or lighter because God's grace abounds towards us. But even in the world that we live in today, it's really God's grace that is still holding this world together. 
that it hasn't become a crazy world. If you read in the scripture in New Testament, it says God gave people unto their own selves and unto their own vile feelings. It is really only God's grace that is holding mankind from becoming a really crazed world. It is only his grace that is holding us together. Otherwise, mankind would have been destroyed. Right? And then we see that before God made tunics for um, Adam and his wife, they already went and you know, did some tailoring and uh, made some designer leaves to cover the body, their, their, part, their, bodies, their, uh, their, their body parts. But the thing about those, what they did is that it's a representation or reflection of self-righteousness. They went again to the same tree. And, you know, okay, we'll not, let's not get into that. But, you know, God had to come and give them his own righteousness. And that's what, we're, that's what we see here. That's what you see that, you know, in this world, yes, it's, it's not just enough for you to know that you are a sinner or that you've sinned. You need to go to the one who can save you. And Adam and his wife, again, not judging them. I'm just being what I, what I see here. When those things happened, they didn't run to God. They could have said, you know, God, this thing has happened. What, what are we going to do about it? Nah, they went to their own vices. They went to what they knew. And they went to the tree and they sold it together. And, you know, then God was looking for them. And God was like, where, where are you guys hiding? Where are you? And they were like, you know, then everything, you know, unfolded. Um, but again, in doing those things that he did with them, uh, by them I mean um, our progenitors, the representatives of mankind, Adam and the woman, uh, God showed his grace towards us. And I would go further in saying that those tunics that he put on their body were a reminder of God's grace because they wore those things from the Garden of Eden and they took it out you know, with them. And while the Bible does not explicitly tell us this, implicitly, I would say, if you take skin off of an animal, you are killing it. And that's a sacrifice. And God is showing us here that even in that state, rather than kill them physically, he physically killed innocent animals for the remission of their own sins. And that's why you can see, you know, when it comes down to Cain and Abel, um, you know, Abel knew that he had to make a sacrifice to the Lord because that was what God did when his parents sinned. And that was how, you know, you see sacrifices through all the dispensations, even as God changes how we operate with man, there was always one thing that was constant, and that was a sacrifice. Until the, the new, the living way and the true sacrifice, the Lamb of God came and died once and for all. So God's anger had to be appeased. And... In doing that, in the type and a shadow, and taking an, a, a, an innocent animal, it was reflecting on the punishment that he was going to put on Jesus Christ on the cross, who would die for the sin of the world once and for all going forward. Amen. So again, the consequence of sin doesn't mean that there is no grace. God's grace abounds to us today um, as sinners and saints because of the blood of Christ. The world is a falling world. Um, and if not for grace, this world would have been destroyed. Amen. So, as we've seen, right, the fall of our first parent brought of our first parents brought a lot of sorrow, sadness, sickness, poverty, death, misfortunes, untold hardship to mankind. Sure, it was a very big tragedy to humanity. Um, sin brings so many things: relegation, disgrace hardship, losses, eternal separation. However, we should have seen from what the Lord has spoken to us this morning that 
although sin has terrible consequences, there is no sinner who is beyond redemption. There is no sinner that is hopeless. There is no sinner that is beyond redemption. And uh, I want us to read this, um, this scripture, and we're going to end with this. It's going to be a, a few verses, but we're here to fellowship with the Lord. So let's read Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. And I read, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type who was to come, like I said earlier. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's judgment Offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that is sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This, in bringing things into the context of the New Testament, summarizes God's grace. Summarizes God's grace towards us as human beings that, yes, it is true that through one person sin entered the world, but in God's wisdom, and omniscience and omnipotence, he decided to do that so that through one man's obedience, we may be able to be saved. And if there's nothing you, you know, got from today's message, that should be the one thing that you should take from me, is that there's grace that abounds to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord, even though we are in a fallen world, even though you know, there was sin in creation, but God was a God of, is a God of salvation, and you can see from the scripture that his plan was always to save man because he's loving and because he's gracious and he cannot deny himself of who he is. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, I'd like to end this message, and I believe the Holy Spirit is, has already been convicting us and speaking to us, and he's the one who uh, brings us understanding. He's the one that brings conversion. He's the one that brings transformation. So if you're joining us online, or if you're here for the very first time, this is not about how many times you've been attending church service. It's not about what your name was christened. 
It's not about who you're related to. It's about your relationship with Christ Jesus in this fallen world. It's about your acceptance of the grace that, has, that abounds to us in Christ Jesus. These are truths that the Word of God is, telling, is saying to us this morning. You won't find these truths in religion. You won't, find these, you won't find these truths in secular humanism. You won't find these truths in any other thing in this world. And God is revealing these truths to you this morning so that you can make your free choice. What is your free choice going to be? Are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to follow his way of righteousness? But you are a free moral agent. And your decision today decides the rest of your future, just like many of us made decisions many years ago. And we're standing here, you know, by God's grace. It was a decision that we had to make for ourselves. It's not something that anybody can make for you. So if you want to repent, turn away from sin, turn away from this world, turn away from yourself, and accept the free gift of salvation this morning, I would like to lead you in that direction. I'm not saving you. I can't save you. Pastor Du can't save you. Government cannot save you. But Jesus Christ has already saved you. The question is, will you accept that gift, free gift of salvation this morning? So if you would like to do that, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer like we read. You know, with a heart you believe, but with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We are spirit beings, and the power that we have is in the power of the tongue. The things that we say and what we believe in our hearts. And God is a God who sees everything. He sees your heart. He sees my heart. I cannot pretend before him. You cannot pretend before him. Or you can't pretend, but we're fooling ourselves. So I was going to lead you in a very short prayer. And after that, um, the shepherd of this house is going to come and uh, lead us in prayer as well. So if you're joining us online or if you're here and you want to accept the gift of salvation, today is the best day that you can do that. I was likely doing a short prayer. Just stay with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came and you died for my sins. Uh, I understand that the word of God says that I was born a sinner. I come to you now to receive your free gift of salvation, to accept you as my own Lord and my savior. Uh, I choose to turn away from the world, to turn away from myself, to turn away from wickedness. I choose to accept your free grace, not by my power, not by my might. I accept you today as my own Lord and my Savior, and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.